0: Welcome to Health HealthCetera's podcast. Mona Chattel and Melissa Batchelor are two co-authors of a book titled Social Media in Healthcare, A Guide to Creating Your Professional Digital Presence. The publication details the ways in which popular social media platforms can be leveraged by healthcare providers, community health organizations, and other health entities to connect with patient communities, other providers, and beyond. On this podcast, Registered Nurse Diana Mason hosts both Dr. Mona Chattel and Dr. Melissa Batchelor for a conversation about their recent publication, How Patients and Providers Can Familiarize Themselves with Social Media Platforms, and The Role of Social Media in Health Education. This podcast first aired on Health Cetera and the Catskills on WIOX Radio on August 17th, 2022.
1: Social media may be making some of us sick, whether from being on our computers and phones all day to see what's going on in this crazy world, or from some of the hate that is spewed there. But it's also being used by health professionals and people with health problems as a tool to promote health and to help people with chronic illnesses. Two national nurse leaders have just published a book entitled Social Media in Healthcare, A Guide to Creating Your Professional Digital Presence, published by Slack Publishers. And here to join me on Health Center and the Catskills are two of the authors. Dr. Mona Chattel is a registered nurse and the McKean Endowed Professor and Chair of the Department of Nursing Systems at the University of Central Florida College of Nursing. She's also the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Psychosocial Nursing and Mental Health Services. So, Mona, you're very well suited to talk about the emotional impact of social media on all of us. Thank you for coming (laughs) on today. Uh, Thanks, Diana. Thanks for having me. And I also have Dr. Melissa Batchelor, who is a registered nurse and associate professor at the George Washington University School of Nursing, where she's also the director of the Center for Aging and Health, Aging, Health, and Humanities. Melissa, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. And and I I do have to say that um, I do have a courtesy appointment at George Washington University for transparency purposes here. <laughs> so uh,
2: just right, to, for our center for
1: yes Center Facebook, for health center for media
2: engagement and health policy
1: yes yes so that's my affiliation it's not paid but I do whatever whatever thing I want and bring my own money in and uh, yeah it's a great affiliation and excellent center there. So the, I, I do want to point out that the third author of the book is Rebecca Darmok, but uh, she's not on today. We have two phone lines, and uh, so my, I have my nurse colleagues on here. So so let's start with talking talking about the impact that social media has had on health and on health care. Um, who, who wants to start this? Uh, this is Mona. Oh. I guess I can start. Good. Go ahead.
3: Uh, well, we have... Um you know, and with COVID, an excellent, uh, recent and still ongoing, uh, example of, um, you know, it's, it first, well, even, even throughout, throughout the pandemic, uh, we had people sharing, you know, how to get masks on social media, uh, what are the latest guidelines, um, and then where to get vaccines, who to get, who can get vaccines, but, but also we have the, you know, from our perspective, the downside of that where, you know, we had um, COVID deniers and mm. uh, anti-vaxxers. So, um, but it, 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 it really, it, it really worked both in a positive way and in, in uh, my opinion, a negative way. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. COVID's an excellent uh, sort of case study in, in how social media could be used both positively and um, to to redness information. Let's
1: mm-hmm. say. Melissa, You, your specialty is uh, geriatrics, um, and I'm wondering how you see this.
2: So I think social media gives us an opportunity to use the platforms to help um, the public with with different health problems, just like you said, how to manage different chronic illnesses. So um, in my example, it's Um, My program for search is around Alzheimer's disease, and so I've used social media to help educate people about, you know, how to recognize the symptoms, how to have the conversation if you think someone um, has a memory problem. And so I think those are ways that healthcare professionals can use uh, social media proactively around a a specific chronic illness that a lot of people um, are dealing with. And I think social media also offers the opportunity to have online support groups and sometimes Mm -hmm. that can be difficult for um, older adults and their families to find. And so it's a way to create community that's not bound by where you live, Mm -hmm. um, and it allows you to access people with expertise much more easily.
3: And um, if if I can interject, Melissa has a great podcast. That um, Melissa, I haven't told you this, but but I uh, ran into one uh, one of my nurse colleagues, and her – Father is watching your podcast religiously. Um, it, it has helped him uh, with 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 uh, his family member uh, who has all, you know early early stage um, Alzheimer's. But uh, I just wanted to, to to share that with you uh, that it really is. I mean, I know you have a lot of subscribers, but to hear hear from an individual, um, you know, you, you may hear that all the time, but just how helpful it is. Melissa, has been for them.
1: tell us about. Tell us about your podcast, and would you consider that social media? Good question. So the po- right?
2: So the podcast itself is called "This Is Getting Old: Moving Towards an Age-Friendly World." And so, while um, I talk about topics like normal aging, a lot of people don't understand the normal process of aging. Um, I also talk about ageism, um, age-friendly initiatives, and then Alzheimer's disease. And so, the podcast itself um, is a video podcast that is put on YouTube. But then the audio portion of it is put into pod, different podcast platforms. And then a, a social media plan is created so that um, you know, three times a week there's micro content that comes out. And so while the podcast itself is more of like a media outlet, the way that it's, one of the ways that it's disseminated, um, people either find it organically because they go to YouTube and search a question like, what is Alzheimer's disease? Or um, if they follow me on social media, it comes right to their feed. And if they're interested in that episode from the micro content, they can click on the link and watch the full episode. So it's kind of blending the two. It's just like when we're done with our radio interview day, you know, Mona and I both want to be able to share that widely within our networks um, to bring awareness um, to this topic as well.
1: And so one more time one more time, the name of, of the podcast.
2: It's called This is Getting Old, Moving Towards an age friendly World, and it's not so much about aging. It's about all of the stuff that's not in place for mm. the shift in demographics we're going to see, and that really is what's getting old. So I love puns. So
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> it's good. Help. It's good. I like it. I like it. So one of the things, I, I, have, a, um, I have a sort of extended family member who has a a really uh, disabling autoimmune disorder and he is middle-aged and he has he's been on some biologic agents to try to deal with it which have their own side effects and adverse reactions and between that and between the illness itself he gets these very strange symptoms and he's trying to sort it all out and to be honest with you healthcare providers don't seem uh be very empathic about somebody who has symptoms that aren't being managed well uh, and of course want to tell him it's all in his head so i suggested to him that he do some research on where their support groups where is their facebook page for people with this condition Uh what Uh what can you Uh tell us about for somebody who's got a chronic health problem are uh, Is social media a, a mechanism for them to really tap into other kinds of supports, other than support group itself, but support in terms of how are other people, what are they experiencing who have this illness, how are they managing the symptoms? What, what's your experience with that? Mona, do you want to start? Sure. You know, I think um, certainly online uh,
3: support and support that people can get individually from from uh, social media, i'm thinking about you know I've done work with truckers uh, long haul truckers, and mm. mental health, and there's a Facebook page for truckers um, against uh, depression and suicide and I'm often struck by the amount of sharing and support that happens uh, yeah. within that group, uh, and I've often recommended it to to others truckers who are who are struggling and that's you know not professional help that's people helping mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and that's through facebook mm-hmm. on facebook um you know it, uh, there's also uh, trusted professional sources um mm-hmm. you know that that people can um uh, search for on twitter and uh, other you know, instagram yeah. uh, but yeah. you know so what is a trusted source is sort of brings up another question yeah who do I believe? And uh, especially, I think, you know, it's people who are, have been, let's say, not helped fully by the healthcare care system. Um, you know, uh, it, it's sad. And at the same time, you know, uh, I'd want to make sure that, that that they get support, but also not, you know, go down a rabbit hole of something that's not
1: Not helpful Yeah So that it might be wise to If there's advice in the support group To sort of Google it and find out What's being said about that approach That kind of thing And and Melissa Batchelor Dealing with with your work Focus on older adults You're also dealing a lot with family caregivers And I believe there are a number of uh, uh, Facebook pages And other social media platforms For uh, family caregivers To find support
2: Right. Well, I think the first thing is families have to recognize when they actually are a caregiver. Huh. <laughs> There's been some studies on that um, that you can be a family caregiver but not recognize it as such. It's just, well, I take care of my mom or I help um, help my dad out, you know, a couple times a week. So the first thing would be to recognize yourself as that. But just like professional organizations, there might be advocacy groups. AARP um, is a trusted source. Um, again where you can go and find information and look for the resources that are available there. And then if you just go into any social media platform and put the term in family caregiver or even use it as a hashtag. So it's like the hashtag with the the word together without any spaces. Sometimes you can find trending posts um, either from people or groups and that's another way to get connected. So um, even just knowing that Basically what a hashtag does is it aggregates tweets or posts around that particular topic. Anything that you're interested in or anything that you're wanting to get more information about, you can start with Google and then you can look um, on social media to see what's trending around that particular topic. But in addition to what Mona said around professional organizations and kind of grassroots groups where people are helping people, um, but also to consider advocacy groups that also put content out.
1: Good, good, good point. Yeah. Um, So, so I'm, I have to say that uh, I've sort of backstepped a little bit on my use of Twitter, because of some of besides the trolls, and the bots, uh, some of the vitriol. That's yeah. on Twitter. I mean, I, I, I and my colleague have put things out there. For instance, a, a colleague of mine who was saying that there was a journalist looking for somebody to speak on uh, a topic the other day. And she got attacked by some people for putting that out there, saying she was on getting paid to do this, which she's not. And uh, just really a bunch of people then jumping in uh, to attack her. So um, I've been. There are people who are really reluctant to use social media because some of the shaming that goes on in the video. People seem unhinged when they go on social media, and I've had my own moments. I had to pull my own coattails about what I was saying on social media. Um, so, what what do you think about all this, and and how would you, for people who are concerned about that and about joining Facebook groups or what have you, uh, the deal with health kind of advice would you give them? Mona, do you want to
3: start? Sure. Um, I mean, this is a real, this is a real problem, a real issue. Um, and it's happened to me when I wrote a a post about, um, uh, MDs being called doctor, but PhDs Mm -hmm. not being, you know, that's just something that always bothers me. And, um, so I, I tweeted about it and got some really hateful um, messages, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just it's it. And and then I backed away for a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. and Melissa and Rebecca and I wrote this book, so I mean, we 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 believe there's value in it. But even, you know, there there is that painful, and it is painful, and you try to bracket it and not pay attention to it. Um, but I had to step away for a bit. You know, mm-hmm. I've had colleagues who, who have, you know, your example, um, and there are so many others. Uh, and I think, you know, trying to depersonalize, most of the time these are trolls, people just trying to, to um, push your buttons. And unfortunately, uh, m- many times, it, you know, it's 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 it is totally disturbing, mm-hmm. uh, but try to realize that that's just what they're doing. They're trying to um, you know make you unhappy
1: yeah. uh, and they're to silence you. I feel like they're trying to silence <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, which
3: which yeah. yeah and
1: which
3: yeah. So mm-hmm. you know I take a step back and then I go back in. Then yeah. I jump back in. That's yeah. that's how I've I've dealt dealt with it. What about you, uh, Melissa? And, yeah.
2: So it's been it's actually been really interesting to watch um you know, with the podcast people can make comments on on youtube and so you'll see I, um, like you'll see a couple of negative ones that really aren't about the content they're more like personal attacks and you know maybe i stutter or i you know when i first started i would say um i would you know, have a lot of that in my in my talking that's gotten better But so I I look at the comments to say, is there anything within these comments that that are initially negative that I could use to make my work better? So that's one approach to it. And then the other approach is other people sticking up for you. Mm -hmm. And so that's been interesting to see that sometimes I don't even have to respond to anything um, that's negative because someone else will have already jumped in, you know, to kind of, put them in their place. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's almost like getting student evaluations as a faculty member. Yeah, (laughs) They
3: can be painful, but (laughs)
2: sometimes they can be helpful. And so I think it's more about not internalizing it and just realizing, is there any truth or is there a nugget, something I could learn from it? And then if not, just say, well, that person's having a bad day and I feel sorry for them.
1: Yeah, and I have to say my own approach has been to just not respond to the people who are being just attacking and trying to shame or blame. Uh, yeah, and- Diane,
3: I think that's the best way because most of the time they don't want to engage. They don't want to have a conversation.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, you know, it, it's it's just a one way. Yeah. And there's, you know, so
1: yeah. not engaging, I think, is the
2: yeah.
3: best,
1: Yeah
2: so and those are all strategies that we put in the book too like how do you deal yes. with haters and trollers
1: yes now now we we do we do have some listeners who either work for or volunteer for community-based organizations or health-related facilities in the community and they might be listening and thinking about how do i increase my presence or effectiveness in my use of social media and i wondered if you have some tips for people who are working for organizations on how to how to get your messages out about health and how to engage people if that's what your intent is. Melissa? Yeah, Melissa?
2: Yeah. So I would say to build, you know, a, a, a consistent following you'd need to post consistently. So whether that's once mm. a week or once a month whatever is kind of at the comfort level for your organization and then when you're creating those posts to think about how you can make them the most engaging so either ask them a question where you're soliciting feedback or getting people you know to kind of join into a conversation and then also thinking through how do you effectively use photographs graphics Mm -hmm. and i've really in the past couple of weeks been exploring using video more so like Mm -hmm. learning how to make reels you know, show kind of my work as a nurse researcher or, you know, I was in Austin last week uh, presenting at a conference and Austin as a a top-ranked age-friendly city. So when I went out to do my morning exercise with, you know, taking video and mixing in pictures to show what I mean when I say an age-friendly city and and that particular example was around the built environment and like creating social spaces for people. Um, So I think that if you're, those are just some easy Mm -hmm. Kind of low-lying fruit ways to to build your following and engagement
1: mona anything
3: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah before that like for people that are um maybe brand new at um social media or twitter uh, in particular even just asking uh the organization you know do they do they have a is there a a, an organizational twitter account um Mm And then they could follow that and, and amplify the messages that are going out on the um, organization 's account uh, and asking the, the you know the communications you know person how can how can I get involved how can I help you um, I, I, there, because it 's really not just one person 's job it's yeah. it 's all of
1: our jobs I, I actually sit on the board of of an organization uh, dealing with primary care it 's a national organization and um, whenever they post something on Facebook, I follow them. Whenever they post something on Facebook or Twitter, because they, they provide tremendous resources to the primary care space and they're trying to build primary care capacity. So whenever they post anything, I always try to retweet it or repost yeah, it on great. Facebook. And and I great. think it is a way that we can help get the word out there. Um, so I, I'm interested in uh, in the few minutes we have left. What you see on the horizon, what, what could we be doing with social media to promote health that we're not doing? If you were the master of social media and could do anything, anything, uh, you know, that you wanted to use it as a health promotion tool, what would you do? Mona? Uh, well,
3: oh, I, have I mean, the
2: first thing. <laughs> Go, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Melissa. So I was just thinking today, you know, a lot of providers, you know, don't have a lot of time to provide education to their patients, um, either in a, during a 15-minute office visit, but there are often themes about the, the types of educational materials families need. So if you were a healthcare practitioner that wanted to do, you know, you could create educational models, modules around different topics that you don't have time to teach in. During an office visit, that you're that would be like an online resource for your for your patients and for the public. So that was one idea that I had this morning. Um, and then you can use social media, you know, to kind of promote that that content mm-hmm. during different, either like a particular holiday or like May is Older Americans Month. You know, it just depends on what the focus is of your practice. But to me, that would be one one way to create um, materials that could help people beyond the four walls of an office
1: visit. And it's a very good idea that actually AARP has a number of videos for family caregivers that have been developed, and I'm not quite sure that they've taken it to that next step of how to take snippets and use social media to drive traffic to it. So it's a, it's a great, yeah, great yeah. idea. Mona, anything else?
3: Well, I think about the, like, healthy behaviors, and I can just think about, you know, the personal connection with other people who are who have healthy behaviors or healthier behaviors than me, let's say. So, and how inspiring that can be, mm. and how seeing that on social media, and that's more of a personal, person to person. But that's sort of what social media is too. It's person to person, connecting people, and sort of using that um, to help people live better, healthier lives.
1: Yeah, and and just, and we only have about a minute and a half left. I, I'm I'm interested in from as a mental health person um how how are you seeing it being used uh for self-help from a mental health perspective
3: well that's the um i think there is support uh, and in this especially a post-covid world where you know people have got now gotten so used to isolating and um staying home that it's it's you know, it's it's important for us to sort of get back into being with other people, I believe. But social media and digitally connecting with others is uh, really important. Um, you know, and, and we're talking about adults and older adults. It could be problematic if we're talking about um, adolescents and young adults because, you know, and problematic uh, social media use, you know, if it uh, – yeah. You know, there's some evidence that it suggests, you know, increase increases depression, anxiety, um, yeah. you know, so there it depends on the age group too and, and the use of social media, whether it's problematic or um, you know, used positively.
1: So the book uh, is Social Media and Healthcare, a guide to creating your professional digital presence, published by Slack Publishers and the two co authors Two of the co-authors of that book are Dr. Mona Chattel, a registered nurse and McKean Endowed Professor and Chair of the Department of Nursing Systems at the University of Central Florida College of Nursing, and Dr. Melissa Batchelor, again a registered nurse and an Associate Professor at the George Washington University of School of Nursing, where she also directs the Center for Aging, Health, and Humanities. My thanks to both of you for coming on to Health Center and the Catskills today.
0: You've been listening to a podcast of HealthCetera in the Catskills. For more podcasts and discussions of important health issues and policies affecting health, go to HealthCetera's website and blog at www.healthmediapolicy.com. That's www.healthmediapolicy.com. This podcast was produced by Dr. Diana Mason and production assistant Kai Volsey.